0: Welcome back. Thanksgiving game, the Giants dropped this one 20-28 to, to the Dallas Cowboys. The Giants lose two in a row for the first time all year. They dropped to 7-4 and four overall. Dallas, they sweep the season series, if you want to call it that. They sweep both games from the Giants. They're now 8-3 and three on the year. They own the tiebreaker. They're up by a game, so the Giants' chances of catching Dallas kind of are, you know, diminished after this game. This wasn't as bad as the 2017 Thanksgiving game versus Washington, but it was still pretty bad overall. The score for the most part was pretty much 28 to 13. The Giants had a like last second, eight seconds left touchdown to Richie James, and they did cover the spread. So if you took the Giants on the spread, congrats. But outside of that, it didn't really do much at all. So uh, there's a lot to talk about. We'll get to all of it. But of course, leave a like always helps out. Leave five stars on the podcast. I would definitely appreciate that. And let's get into it. So this game, of course, definitely had two halves to it. Like, no kidding. But like the Giants. At halftime, we're up thirteen to seven, and I was saying to myself, "Hey, like, there's a chance. I'm getting this vibe here that maybe something magical is going to happen this game, and the Giants pull it off. They had two interceptions on deck in the first half: uh, Julian Love, and the other one was." Uh, rodarius williams great anticipation play then you had the fourth down stop where they stopped zeke on a fourth and two they ran out of eye formation which was so predictable i don't know why dallas did that because their play action was killing the giants the entire day but yeah the first half the giants actually looked like they had a shot darius slayton made a crazy catch over anthony brown he basically mossed him yeah we're doing like this you know on your head top thing whatever the hell that means but um he made an insane catch darius slayton jones gave him a shot which i love that like give your receivers more 50 50 balls i don't I don't know why they don't do it more but he came down with that ball it was the Giants first completion air yards wise over 40 yards the entire year so of course the Giants have had some long completions with like you know Sterling Shepard back to week one but yeah air yards wise this was the longest Giants completion the entire year but once the Giants came out in the second half it was like Dallas made every single adjustment in this game and the Giants just had no answer it seemed like the talent discrepancy really got to the Giants I would say coaching and maybe just the play by Slayton and maybe just the interceptions kept them in the first half, kept them in the game in the first half and actually had them in front. But once the second half came around, Dallas made their adjustments and it was like talent prevailed That's pretty much how it went in my opinion. We even saw Andrew Thomas have his worst game of the year. So I know Micah Parsons put out that tweet saying like, oh, I thought this guy was the best and like, yeah, he's still the best. But I believe Thomas came into this game with some type of illness, so he probably wasn't even 100%. And when Micah Parsons played the Giants in week three, I believe Parsons also had an illness and didn't really impact the game as much. So it kind of happened to both those guys, to be fair. But after the third quarter, Dallas had a couple touchdowns and that pretty much felt like it was it. Dagger right there. So Dallas did take it 28 to 20. First, we'll jump into the offense like we always do. So Daniel Jones, 21 of 35, 228 in the air. One touchdown, no turnovers, which is nice. But um, I think for Jones, I wasn't overly impressed it was just like his typical game this year where you didn't see like too much that really made you go crazy but I did love the slate and throw and I also love the play where he was rolling to his right and he threw back to the middle of the field which I know you're not supposed to do but he found Chris Myrick like he really made something out of nothing on that play so I like that from Jones but outside of that a lot of the stuff he did was pretty much in the structure of the offense there was a lot of plays where it was like a play action you roll out and you find your guy in the flat and he'll pick up five to seven yards there weren't that many difficult throws for Jones in this game but I also think that game plan made sense because the Giants didn't really have the best personnel wide receiver wise Saquon Barkley will touch on him more later but only 39 yards on 11 attempts 3.5 a carry did have a receiving touchdown but Saquon definitely looks like he has kind of hit a wall or maybe ran out of gas. I definitely think the 10 days off here will help him out more than just about anybody. Darius Slayton, three catches to 63 yards. He was a yard away from scoring, so he almost got in. But yeah, Slayton actually had a pretty good game. Isaiah Hodgins had a touchdown that was called back due to Tyree Phillips being an illegal man downfield. And if you watched the game, you saw Brian Dable was going ballistic. And I don't blame him because I, you know, these calls are so ticky tacky and it doesn't really affect anything like nobody like nobody actually thinks that Tyree Phillips was a receiver on that play I get he was technically two or three yards in front of the line of scrimmage when Jones threw the ball so I guess it's the right call but it's just so annoying. Like, I I don't know why these things have to be called in the NFL. I can get if your offensive lineman was like 10 yards down the field, but like, no, he was close enough to the line of scrimmage. It's like one of those things, like, just let it go. Like, the refs were definitely not good in this game overall. I can talk about that later when we get to the defense, but um, that was a call that just annoyed me. And it definitely took a huge, what would have been touchdown off the board for the Giants. They did get a 57-yard Graham Gano field goal that drive, but still, having the touchdown would have been much better. So Daniel Jones missed a couple throws in this game. There was one on third down, one on fourth down. The third down one was to Richie James in the flat. And um, of course, you know, for some reason, certain the certain portion of the Giants fan base will never blame the quarterback, whether it was Eli or even Daniel Jones. But that's a throw you have to make. I, I understand he was pressured. I completely get it. But some fans want to act like it has to be seven-on-seven seven flag football. Like there's going to be pressure in the NFL. If an NFL quarterback can't make a five-yard throw to the flat with a little bit of pressure in his face. That's a problem. I expect my quarterback to make that throw. So he misses Richie James. And then there was the fourth down play where Dable decides to go for it. I'll try to look for the exact situation. It was fourth and one, four minutes to go in the third quarter. Barkley was to the left of Jones and shotgun. And then Barkley ran to the right side. He was open in the flat. And then, you know, I think both guys are at fault here. There's a lot of like finger pointing whose fault is it for that play. I think both guys are at fault. I would say it was more on Jones because, like, you have to make that throw once again. But Saquon had a chance to catch it. You know, he's running out. He had to reach behind him, kind of, and it was a tough catch near his, like, you know, thigh. But, you know, it's one that if Saquon caught it, that's awesome. But that's a ball where Jones has to hit him in stride. If he did hit uh, Saquon in stride, he may have still been running. Like, Saquon may have had a huge gain or maybe even scored on that play. So I get we want to make excuses for our quarterback because he's not in a good situation. I can definitely agree with that. But some of those throws that he had to make today were ones that he has to make i don't care if i'm his receiver he has to put the ball in a better spot for those guys there was even one in the i think it might have been second quarter where richie james bailed him out it was the same type of throw he missed richie james on in the first quarter and richie james made this insane catch on his fingertips i mean he almost missed them again so like we need jones to make those throws he needs to make them i don't care who his receivers are i don't care if there's a bit of pressure like it's the nfl man like it happens just so many excuses like we get it his situation sucks but you have to make those throws. That was the difference between possibly winning or losing this game, converting on that third down, converting on that fourth down, especially. That was a big play, and you don't. So the Mike Kafka play calling has definitely been something I've seen Giants fans talk about on Twitter. I wasn't really that annoyed. I saw some runs on second and 10 where it was like, why, why even do that? It's just a waste. But I think for the most part, they played into the personnel they had. I would say the Giants' first like 20 plays or so They started out putting Jones in a decent position to succeed. A lot of just plays where he's rolling out to his right, not standing in the pocket and giving the Cowboys a chance to sack him. We saw that early completion to uh, Lawrence Cager for like 15, 20 yards. There should have been that touchdown on the rollout to Isaiah Hodgins that got called back. They ran one to Saquon where it was a quick play action. Saquon leaked out to the flat. Jones dumped it to him. Like just simple completions that got the chains moving. And, you know, I, I think the Giants did just about all they could offensively. Um, Daniel Jones only had three carries for 14 yards. I would have liked to have seen more Daniel Jones on the move. I don't know if that was up to him or the coaching staff, but I do want to see more Daniel Jones runs a quarterback as fast as he is and being like six, four, six, five, Daniel Jones should have more than three rushing attempts, especially on this type of team when you don't have that many great weapons. Gary Brightwell was actually the most effective runner. He had 6.2 a carry, 5 carries, 31 yards, so shout out Gary Brightwell actually played more than we thought. He had that nice run when Saquon was also in the backfield. I think they sent Saquon in motion kind of as a distraction or decoy. And then gave it to Gary Brightwell. So he made a nice runoff of that. But yeah, I don't I don't look at that game and say, Oh, Mike Kafka called a shitty game. Like, no, I don't I don't think it was that bad. I don't know what else you want the man to do. Like I believe, and this is just my opinion, this this entire podcast is my opinion, but I believe it's a talent issue. The Giants don't have the talent to do what Mike Kafka wants to do. I mean, this guy came from Kansas City. He's seen it all. Like, he gets it. We have Brian Dable from Buffalo. He's seen it all. The Giants just don't have the roster to do the type of things they want to do. And I do think once the Giants, you know, or once Mike Kafka, if he's still here next year, you know, which I assume he will be unless he gets a head coaching job assuming that they get their wide receiver one or even get their own quarterback or get whatever the hell they need or a new guard or whatever. They're going to take more chances and be a a better offense next year, a more exciting offense that takes more uh, more chances downfield. But right now, at least they just don't have the talent. It is what it is. This was supposed to be a rebuilding year. The Giants found themselves at seven and three this game coming into it and we expect more now because of that record. But the Giants, especially based on last week's injuries and Kenny Galladay being nothing and, and Tony being gone and Wandale being gone and Shepard being gone, the list goes on and on. They don't have the talent to do what, these, what this offense coordinator wants to do. And maybe I'm overrating Kafka because we went from Jason Garrett to Kafka and the, the difference is night and day. So maybe I'm overrating Kafka, but I personally haven't seen anything where I'm like, oh, that's that's terrible. How can you call that? Like, Sure, sometimes the clock management hasn't been great with this coaching staff that's more of a day Bowl thing but outside of some of those runs on second and ten where it's like, why even run on second and ten at that point? Get get yourself a couple of yards and get yourself into third and seven, third third and eight. Like outside of that, there's not many complaints I have about Mike Kafka. We'll touch on that more. Assuming there's more talents on this team next year, which there should be, we'll definitely I'll definitely get more critical of Mike Kafka if the Giants aren't putting up points offensively. But right now, this is majority still Dave Gettleman's guys. You have Daniel Jones. Saquon Barkley, you know, two of the biggest, most controversial picks of um, Gettleman's tenure. Darius Slayton's a Gettleman guy. Like, you know, these are not even their guys. I can't really judge Mike Kafka and this entire regime that hard because, like, th- this is not their guys. And some of them are practice squad guys, you know. So it's like I can't really be too critical. Defensively, Kayvon Thibodeau, he had his best game, I believe. I mean, he was just All over Dak Prescott the entire game, he had a bunch of quarterback hits, had a season high, uh, career high, I should say, eight pressures, according to PFF, had a pass rush win rate of 23.8, which was the highest percentage in the entire game. So that includes Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, whoever, Dexter Lawrence, it was the highest the entire game. So Kayvon, I know the stats. Haven't been there entirely, but that man played his ass off today. And I really leave this game saying, We have a guy. Like, we have a really, really good edge rusher that'll only continue to get better. And whenever the hell Aziz Ojalari gets back, which it seems like he will be soon, maybe next game versus Washington, the Giants will have a good pass rushing tandem with those two guys. Hopefully, Aziz stays healthy. Darnate Holmes, you know, he did cause the one interception that Julian Love caught, which was a great play. But outside of that, I mean, it was just barbecued chicken, as they say, for CeeDee Lamb. It, it was just too easy. I don't. I understand this Don Martindale defense puts a lot of guys in man coverage, but sometimes you have to know your personnel. I'm not saying Don Martindale was terrible today, but like you have to help Darnay Holmes in that situation. You can't leave him on an island in the slot with CeeDee Lamb, one of the best route runners in football. You can't do that. We saw what it did. And even on plays where Lamb wasn't catching the ball, there was pass interferences. We saw that in the fourth quarter. There were two calls where there was defensive holding. And I think one of them was absolutely ridiculous. I have no idea how that was a flag. The other one, maybe. I I would not have thrown the flag if I was a ref, and I'm not even being biased. But, you know, they were flags, so that is what it is. But just a matchup where, like, if if you're a coaching staff, you want to put your players in a position to succeed. We always say that. But putting Darnit Holmes in the slot one-on-one with CeeDee Lamb and man coverage is not putting your player in a position to succeed. But the Giants, their corners are not good enough. You have guys like Nick McCloud out there, Jason Pinnock, Cordell Flott, who definitely had some rough moments in this game. Cordell Flott had a drive where Michael Gallup ate his lunch. Like, he was just... Uh, he looked like a grown man versus him, which is why I wrote that down. Gallup had some very strong catches with his hands. He he looked good out there. I thought Gallup had like 100 yards at least, but the guy only had 63 yards, which it felt like so much more. Five catches for 63 yards. I would have bet it was at least 80, but yeah, Gallup, 63 yards. I guess he did that all on like one drive, but he looked pretty good. The Dallas tight ends, they had success. Jake Ferguson, Dalton Schultz had a couple touchdowns. I remember that Ferguson play. Dak almost missed him. They ran a play action towards the end of the game. It was right before uh, Maher missed that field goal but Ferguson was running wide open so I'll go through the notes and just talk about some of the things that happened so there was this special teams mishap here Nick McLeod should have downed the punt at the one yard line but he dropped it somehow it just went right through his hands I don't know how that happens but the Giants special teams continues to be terrible the Giants got a fourth down stop we talked about that against Zeke the Isaiah Hodgins play, Gano, six 57-yarder, uh, Rodarius Williams' interception, Jones missed the, uh, I called the easy throw. Once again, there was pressure, so don't attack me in the comments, but it's a throw my quarterback should be able to make. Slayton Moss, the guy, um, Darnay Holmes caused the interception. So yeah, in that third quarter, Darnay Holmes had a couple of those um, defensive holding calls, and the Giants' defense had so many third and longs allowed, it was so annoying. Like the, It felt like Dallas had three or four separate occasions where there was like third and 12 or third and 15 and they picked them all up. You know, it was so annoying. There was a third and goal from 15 yards out, and Dalton Schultz was left 1-on-1 with Nick McLeod. He ran, like, a corner route. Dude was wide open. Not not wide open, but, like, it, it wasn't that good of coverage. So, once again, just not putting your players in a good position. And once the Giants didn't get that fourth down and one in the third quarter where Barkley, I guess, quote-unquote, dropped the ball... Um That was pretty much the game. That kind of felt like it was over. And by the way, I didn't even mention this. There were 10 guys on the field for that play. I I don't know how that happens. And they still should have completed it, which is funny, but I don't know. The Giants, you know, the coaching staff has not looked as sharp the past couple weeks. I'm not freaking out. I'm still very happy about where this coaching staff is at overall. But um to have ten guys on the field on a fourth down play is just like pretty inexcusable. Uh, C.D. Lamb had that insane one-handed catch where there was P.I. by Darnay Holmes, and then Dalton Schultz caught another touchdown right after, so that was pretty much it. Um, So I wrote down on the bottom under defense for some reason. I I didn't want to make a whole separate category, but I wrote concerns for this team, and I kind of did touch on this maybe in my preview video or maybe last week after the uh, loss to the, uh, who the hell did we play? The Lions. Um, I did touch on that. I am concerned about this team. I am. Like, you know, I came into the season expecting like six wins. So it's like, they already exceeded my expectations, but we're kind of at a point now where we're kind of expecting the playoffs. You know, when you start seven and two, you should be expecting to go to the playoffs, but the Giants are going to run into a stretch here where it's tough. And we've gone over that, you know, you get Washington, Philly, Washington, again, Minnesota at Minnesota, um, Indy, and then Philly. And that's your, that's your season right there. So you're pretty much asking yourself, can the Giants get two more wins in that span. And if... One of those wins is against Washington, that's huge. If the Giants get swept by Washington, they might just flat out miss the playoffs. If they even split with Washington, there's a chance they miss the playoffs. But they have to, have to at least take one of those games versus Washington. Like next week's game, in my opinion, is probably the biggest game of the entire year. Because Washington, I believe they are, they're six and five right now. The Giants are now seven and four. So they'll be right there. And the commanders haven't had their bye yet. So it's weird. So they're at the Giants, then they have their bye, And then they come out of the bye and play the Giants again. I don't know why it was set up like that. But Washington does have a much tougher schedule. They play Atlanta this week, who are a borderline playoff team. Giants twice, San Fran at San Fran versus Cleveland, where Deshaun Watson will be back and hopefully back in the swing of things, and then versus Dallas the last week of the year. So Washington's schedule is tough. That's the good news, but they are playing much better football. I'm just going to look at the playoff picture just for the hell of it. The Giants right now are in the sixth spot, um, right ahead of Seattle. If Seattle wins tomorrow, which they are favored, they're playing the Raiders. Um, they hold the tiebreaker, so the Seattle Seahawks would be ahead of the Giants. The Giants would be back to the seventh and last spot in the playoff picture. You have Washington at six and five, Atlanta at five and six, and it kind of sucks for us that they're playing each other because unless there's a tie, one of those teams is going to win Atlanta or Washington. I would prefer Atlanta to win because they're only five and six. But yeah, our only threat really is Washington. I don't see Atlanta making a big run. I mean, they've had a decent season, but you know, Kyle Pitts is out and that team is just, they're not that talented. So with Washington having a tough schedule, I feel better about the Giants' chances, but you also run into the problem that if the Giants lose both games to Washington, it puts them in a very tough spot. They have to at least split. You would love to sweep that. If the Giants sweep Washington, they're in. There's there's no doubt. But if they somehow lose both, that's a big problem. So I feel decent about our chances to make the playoffs, but you have to take care of Washington next week. And I'm happy now that we played today because you get 10 days off. You can get guys healthy. I would expect, based on what they've been saying, that Aziz Ojalari and Evan Neal should be back. We'll see about other guys, hopefully, you know, um, Fabian Moreau is back, he'll be the cornerback one, which is crazy. Still no McKinney, I don't believe he's eligible yet, but hopefully he's getting close. But yeah, this game, it wasn't surprising. I was telling people at work, I expected like 27 to 13, I think I said, which was actually close until the final touchdown. But um, the first half, I did definitely like how the Giants played. I know they were, they were limited because of the players they had on the field, which was not ideal. But um, they played, you know, pretty good football the first half. But Dallas, they, they're they just way more talented. And they, I think they made enough halftime adjustments. They ran more play action. They put, you know, CeeDee Lamb on an island with uh, Darnay Holmes. And they took advantage of it. So, anyway, that will do it. Hope you guys enjoyed the video. I don't know when my next Giants video will come out. I, kinda just, I have a busy weekend, kind of. So, maybe I'll just take the weekend off. I do want to make a video about Daniel Jones and talk about, like, is he going to be back here next year? Because I've mentioned this before. I think there's way too many people that are like a hundred percent sure he's back next year. And I do not believe that for a second. I still think it's very much up in the air. Um, I'm not opposed to bringing him back for another year. I'm really not because there's not many other better options. And he's shown a lot of growth in this system. He's definitely been better in the past two years. And I would like to see what he looks like with a real wide receiver one, but there's also a chance the Giants just are not interested in keeping him. And I don't think people, at least some people are not seeing that side of the argument. So I definitely want to make a video talking about that. I mean, Joe Shane literally just came from an organization that came off their first playoff berth in a long time with Tyrod Taylor, who was still like, he was under 30. He was probably like 28 at the time. So he was still in his prime. They moved off of Tyrod Taylor after a playoff appearance going nine and seven. So you know, some people act like, oh, if Jones makes the playoffs, he's definitely back. Like I don't know about that. Like, we've seen too many examples of it. Even when Case Keenum went 13-3 and with the Vikings, they they shipped his ass out or they let him walk into free agency. So you know what? Like, it's not 100% guaranteed that Jones is back just because the record looks good. Like this is not Joe Shane's guy. So we're going to talk about that. Might be an interesting video, might get some hate comments, but you know what? That's all right. I feel it's a real conversation that has to happen. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed the video. Sucks to lose on Thanksgiving, but I don't know. At least we can just sit back, enjoy Sunday, and root against Washington. So hope you guys enjoyed the video and I'll talk to you guys next time.